Can you get the job done, Mike? Think so. Well, you're gonna have to do better than I think so. Is that clear? That's clear. Now I'm gonna assume that by now you've learned that the world's not fair and sometimes you get the short end, that's all you get. And if you don't do something personally to fix it, then that's all you're ever gonna get. Welcome to the main event. I am Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Dawn's Bicycle Store in Rialto and Redlands. And I'm filling in Fred Hoffman this week. Ed is out recovering from back surgery. He'll be back next week. I do need to make my normal disclaimer that as I am not a professional radio talk show host, no, I'm just a regular person just like you. But I'm very politically incorrect and have a big fat mouth and I'm not afraid to use it which makes me the perfect fill-in host for Ed. But before we get down to business, if you're interested in getting involved with any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, you can reach out to Ed Hoffman, the branch manager of Planet Home Lending at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night, 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with Ed and you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net. And click on the Planet Home Lending logo. That'll take you straight to Ed's landing page where you can fill out your information. And either Ed or one of his talented teammates will get back to you. If there's any part of the show you want repeated, stay on edhoffman.net and click on the podcast page to listen to demand anytime. If you can't always hear the show on the radio, this is the easiest way to hear it wherever you want. Also, be sure to connect with the show on social media. You can follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Hoffman where he tweets about current events all week long and like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman with me. I wouldn't normally say with me in studio today, but with me via zoom is my favorite co-host Jody Swan, AKA that conservative girl, Jody, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Right. Normally I would say in studio, but Joe, Jody actually abandoned us here in California. <laughs> she left us to fend for ourselves in this insane <laughs> asylum we call California. So thanks a lot, Jody. Thanks a lot. Sure. I mean, I'll be back to visit you. Okay. Well, that's very kind of you. It's very kind. <laughs> so I want to, I want to begin this show by talking about my recent trip to Washington, DC. I actually, as you know, Jody, I went back to the March for life uh, in DC, there were 300,000 people out there and this is a really cool event, but it really doesn't get a lot of coverage. Hmm. I wonder why, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but I know my wife, when we were there, my wife goes, Oh, by the way, there's an anti-vax mandate March in DC, uh, like a couple days later. And I thought, well, hell I'm there, you know? So I had to go to that. There was about 30,000 people there. And a lot of this was in response to the idiotic mayor of Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser, who instituted these vaccination mandates to go into restaurants and bars and hotels. My wife and I, we'd already booked reservations in this hotel. And we're telling them, look, we already got rooms and we're not getting vaccinated and getting shots 
just to stay in this place. And they're like, well, just show us some kind of a proof of negative test and dot, dot, dot. So my wife pulls up some BS on her phone and shows it. And they're like, yeah, whatever. So <laughs> the point is that like, look, restaurants and bars uh, are not in the business of enforcing vaccination mandates. And these people just want to survive. And I think a lot of them, we're, we're just like, like over it, I think at this point, Jody. I mean, if you went into your hotel room with a black light and you ran it over the sheets and mattress, I don't even want to know what that would look like. You'd probably turn right around and leave. It would be so disgusting. And they think that it's important for you to be vaccinated. It's, I mean, it's just so backwards. I mean, we, we walk around and there's germs everywhere all the time. And, you know, people are worried about you showing a vax card. It's like, go wash the sheets. Right. No. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, th then they, of course, they have signs, you know, masks are required. Masks are required. And, you know, I'm not wearing a mask at all unless somebody calls. But nobody even said anything. I'm walking around without a mask in the hotel. One of the few people, mind you, who was walking around. And by the way, nobody at these rallies, as you might imagine, was wearing a mask. My wife recently said three words to me that in our 30 years of marriage, she has never said before. And that was, she says, you were right. And I'm like, <laughs> that's what she said. And I'm like, what? Okay. I have to, you know, I have to stop her. What, what was I right about? She was, she said I was right because when Gavin Newsom uh, put out this mass mandate for like a month, I said, you know, they're just going to keep stringing that on. They're just going to keep doing it yeah. over. And sure enough, they did. They've extended the mass mandate. Uh, and we're all supposed to keep wearing these things, you know? And by the way, when I was in DC, I thought I would check out one of the museums. So I went to the Smithsonian Natural History Museum and I'm just in there in this, this big hall by myself and you have to wear a mask to go in there. I have my mask like below my nose and this, this Karen sees me. <laughs> she walks in there with like her kid. She sees me and she runs over to me and she makes this gesture like pull you know, like I should be pulling my mask. She didn't say anything to me. She just makes this jerking motion in front of her face like I should pull up my mask. So I made the same jerking motion back at her. Right. Like, you know, and then she goes, if you don't pull up your mask, I don't like pulling up my mask over my nose because it fogs up my glasses and I can't see. But I said, right. yeah. And, and she goes, if you don't pull up your mask, I'm calling security. And I go, you know, you need to relax, Karen. And she just kind of <laughs> like she like lost her mind. And she's she's you know, she storms off. And then some other people came up to me and they go, you know, I can't believe people like that actually exist. And I go, yeah, they do. They're right over there. So I think that that museum should have a Karen exhibit, you know, where you get like four or five of these ladies, you throw them in a cage. And every time you walk by them, you know, they say, pull up your mask, pull up your mask. Can you ever get me vaccinated? Have you had your booster? Have you had your booster now? Have you been vaccinated? Can you please pull up your mask? And that's all they do like all day long. So that's my that's my thought. It's just so ridiculous. You know that uh, since I've been in Georgia, so I've been here like six months now yeah. and I never once in the last six months had to wear a mask. Wow. And I've been, I've even been to, you know, the dentist a few times since I've been here with my kids. No, I mean, they have a sign on the door, you know, everybody's got to cover their butts. So everybody <laughs> has to post the sign that says, you know, we request that you wear a mask or whatever, but nobody enforces it. And, you know, I come back to California quite frequently for business. And every time I'm like, oh, I got to buy a mask because I don't even have one. You don't have to wear one here. Well, I, I'm telling you my observation right now, there's more people wearing masks now than ever before. And I'm talking driving their cars by themselves, uh, riding their bicycles by themselves, wearing, walking their dogs by themselves, wearing masks. I think these people are so freaked out. They're never taking these things off. Well, the thing like to me, 
The bigger issue is not the mandates. The bigger issue is the fact that people or are sheeple, you know? So it's like you mandate it and you mandate it enough. And now people are like used to it. And they're not even thinking that it's absolutely ridiculous to be alone in your car with a mask on, or like you said, like riding down the street on a bike with a mask on who like that doesn't make sense at all. It's totally ridiculous, but people are like, Oh, I'm just used to it now. And they don't even think about it. So, I mean, that's almost to me worse than the mandates because there's like no hope for us then if we're just going to, you know, follow orders like sheep. Right. No, exactly. So coming back to coming back to the protests, I guess my my open-ended question is do protests work? That's kind of like, was there any good that came out of the March for life for this anti-vax March? And I guess we have to look at what's currently going on with the trucker strike in Canada. And, and is that strike going to be effective? So currently after 10 days of protests over the vaccine mandate for uh, for truckers crossing into Canada from the U.S., the mayor of Ottawa declared a state of emergency in the Canadian capital. Mayor Jim Watson vowed to get every city back from protesters, saying they behave insensitively by blaring horns and sirens, setting off fireworks, and turning it into a party. Clearly, we are numbered and we're losing this battle, the mayor said. This has to be reversed. Uh, then with no <laughs> proof whatsoever, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Blackface Trudeau said the truckers are racist. Right. You can always pull that one out. Just call them a racist and they'll go away. Uh, this is Justin Trudeau tweeted today in the House. Members of Parliament unanimously condemned the anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, anti-black racism, homophobia and transphobia. He got, I think you got everything there that we've seen <laughs> on display in Ottawa over the past number of days. Together, let's keep working to make Canada more inclusive. Here's one protester who called Trudeau out. The things that Trudeau is saying really fires me up. We're not misogynists, we're not racists, we're not bigots. How dare he say that? Uh, I've been saying for a bit, almost jokingly, but not for Trudeau to come and say these things to our face. And I heard a couple truckers say that. Trudeau, we want you to come and talk to us. You owe us that. You're our leader. Well, there you go. Um, so we come back to, will this protest be effective? What are your thoughts? Well, you know what I think is so ironic? It's like, you know, the government shuts things down for us for weeks, months on end, and we're just forced to comply. And here you have truckers, the people who are actually running the economy, and they want to hold things up for a little bit. And the government says, no, 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 we can't do that. You're a racist. Um, so I, I don't know. I think they're definitely um, raising raising some eyebrows. I, I think it's good. Yeah, I, I think I think so. And we'll see how effective this is going to be. I mean, this is literally unfolding in front of rise right now. My couple of thoughts. I'm impressed. I mean, I didn't think Canadians had it in them. Right. <laughs> you know, I guess you push someone so far. Yeah. Even even but they can reach a point where they've had enough. You know, first of all, I think I'm kind of jealous, too. I mean, it's kind of like, where's our convoy? And and I think I may have even answered my own question. I was at my bike shop recently and I was talking to a truck driver about this whole situation and he says well, ours is coming you know i go no i didn't know that he goes yeah and tucker carlson actually reported on this last night that apparently there is a movement here in the united states to form our own truckers convoy and i'm thinking how cool is that we're not going to be outdone by canada doggone it yeah. yeah well you think this is a big deal in canada wait till a bunch of you know 
American flag wielding truckers in America do it. And then everybody is going to be pouring out into the streets to, you know, bring them homemade cookies and milk and blankets. And I mean, somebody mentioned to me the other day, they said, you know, there's a lot of women and children in those trucks, like families that have come out to support, you know, a wife comes out to support her husband or, you know, the whole family is coming out and it's freezing out there right now. And they are standing their ground. They're in these trucks you know, eating food if they have it, uh, staying warm if they can. And it, you know, they've reached their breaking point, but I would love to see this happen here. It would be like a hundred times bigger. It would be awesome. No, I think so. Well, we may very, we very, we we very well may see that. And I don't know if you've seen Trudeau's response, but he's actually telling the police to confiscate fuel, uh, take their diesel fuel, take their fire. What he's trying to freeze them out is what he's trying to do. Right. And, you know, like I said, he's going to be freezing out a lot of women and children. Yes. Right. And and I don't know so where the question is now. Yeah. Well, yeah. No kidding. No kidding. And I, you know, looking at this whole situation, it almost seems like it could go one of three ways. Either the truckers back down and leave. Probably not going to happen. Trudeau backs down and reverses some of these mandates. And by the way, some of the latest breaking news on this story is that Quebec, Alberta, uh, Saskatchewan, I hope I pronounced that right, and Prince Edward Island have all begun reversing vaccination mandates. So this is having an effect. Now, whether Trudeau gets up and reverses, I don't know. But he, and he's almost painted himself into a corner by calling them Nazis and racists. So for him at this point to like reverse course and comply with their demands, you know, that, that would make him look really bad. The third option is this thing gets really nasty. It could get really ugly if they want to start, you know, as, as Biden has suggested to Trudeau using his federal powers to shut this thing down, um, then this, this could be a mess. It could be really bad. Yeah. Well, the Gateway Pundit had an article earlier this week with a video of a Calgary police officer, and he was basically like blasting his fellow officers. And he said, um, I was just following orders is no longer an excuse. You signed up to help people stand with your fellow Canadians. So, I mean, it, you're right. It could come down to the point where the government is ordering the police to do something and the police hopefully will stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do this to my fellow countrymen. This is wrong. And it's a tough spot to be in as an officer to have to, you know, risk your livelihood to do the right thing. But we've all been put in that situation right now. We've all had to risk our livelihoods if we don't want to just, you know, get a job full of heavy metals and all the other things, you know, it, so it, 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 it's coming to a head. It's coming to a breaking point. Yep. Well, it looks like Canadians aren't the only ones with courage to protest. Parents and kids across America have also had enough with mass at school, leading to demonstrations and walkouts all over the country. One of them was in Washington State, where this high school senior took charge of his fellow students. This is not an excuse for any of you freshmen and sophomores to disrespect your teachers. That makes us look bad. We want this to be a peaceful, respectful movement. We are just trying to gain back our rights as citizens. The teachers in the end are just doing their jobs. It doesn't come from them. It comes from the state. What we're hoping is that they kick us out. This sounds bad, but we're hoping that they kick us out because they have to report that attendance to the state. And if the state sees a day where 100 or I don't even know how many kids are here are absent, 
they're going to start asking questions. Everybody is going to meet at the back row of the senior parking lot, and we're all walking into the school with no mask on. You can get me in trouble. They can suspend me. I don't care. We're done with this. And obviously all of you are too. You know, I don't know who this kid is, but I got chills the first time I heard this clip. He's well-spoken. He's like the next Charlie Kirk, it sounds like. Maybe even better, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, really good. Well, we're apparently... We're, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, but what he's saying is true. It's like, so suspend me, expel me, like whatever. That doesn't even matter. Like in the grand scheme of things, when he's 25 and doing whatever he's doing, the fact that, you know, you failed such and such class in high school, or you were expelled once, or you got detention, like that stuff so doesn't matter. And yet it's used by the establishment to try to keep everybody in line. So I think it's great that he's standing up for this. It's something that he believes in and he's showing a lot of courage because this is obviously is not a popular view in California. So uh, kudos to the kid. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and like I said, we'll see how effective this is, but it does seem like uh, there are now currently Democrat-led states that are starting to reverse these mass mandates in Connecticut, Delaware, Oregon, New Jersey. Uh, they've all set timelines for ending mass mandates at schools throughout February and March. Uh, Newsom, of course, uh, no sign of him uh, changing course, so our kids are still supposed to be masked up. But but again, this this may be successful. And th this is happening not just in Washington, but schools all across the United States. So we shall see where that goes. We are now approaching week three, by the way, of the Neil Young versus Joe Rogan Spotify saga. And here's the latest. So far, Joni Mitchell remains the only recognizable musician to join Young's effort in taking their music off the platform. Spotify has caved somewhat. This week, they removed 113 episodes of Rogan's podcast. Uh, I guess some because they contain the N-word. Uh, they also feature controversial guests like Milo and Alex Jones. But that's not good enough for Neil Young. Now he's urging Spotify workers to quit their jobs. Uh, on his website this week, Young wrote, To the workers at Spotify, I say Spotify CEO Daniel Eck is your big problem, not Joe Rogan. Get out of that place before it eats up your soul. So here's my thought. Neil Young is one of the worst artists of all time. Uh, he just is. Uh, and Jody, you're fairly young. You might not have been exposed to Neil Young. Good for you. Uh, but I, I basically, this guy should shut up. His music's terrible. He has no talent. And I'm going to prove it right now, right here and right now on this show. This is going to be painful. If you have any children in the room, I recommend you you remove them from the room before I play this clip. Okay, go ahead, Dan. Play the clip. Yeah, that was painful. Uh, look, uh, I've heard better noises coming out of a slaughterhouse. Um, you know, Neil Young reminds me, of, you know, those street performers that you see in subways or in bus stations, you know, and uh, like I yeah. pay him five bucks just to shut up. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't been in the news in like a good 20 years, right? No. I mean, this is like the first time he makes a headline. 
goodness. Right. And I'm sure Ed's going to get some hate mail. Scott's bagging on Neil Young. And I was always been a big Neil Young fan. Yeah, that's because you did too much acid in high school. That's the only Look, explanation. If anyone, yeah. If anyone was a Neil Young fan before, they are not a Neil Young fan anymore. Even, okay, you know, my best friend, she married that great guy, but he's liberal. He texted me yesterday and um, he was saying, you know, you know, this whole Neil Young Spotify or uh, thing, Joe Rogan, this and that. He says, I've become such a fan of Joe Rogan. And I was like, what? I mean, so even and he is very brilliant guy, but he's very, very liberal. You know, he's far left. And even he's coming out and saying this is wrong. This is so messed up. Um, so even people on the far left are on Rogan's side on this. Yeah, no, it's great publicity for Joe Rogan for sure. Yeah. Moving, Never been more. Popular. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on on January 24th. This is another important issue that we all need to be aware of. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin held a round table titled COVID-19, a second opinion attended by many physicians and department of defense whistleblowers. Uh, there were also molecular biologists and a bunch of smart people. I, I saw this on OAN and I was just captivated. Uh, what was revealed were reports of devastating COVID vaccine injuries, including significant increases in miscarriages, cancer, um, neurological issues, heart conditions. And, and a lot of this had to do with members of the military. Um, there was a human rights attorney, Lee Dundas, who testified and talked about what they're seeing. These are whistleblowers, people that are doctors within the military come out and speaking out against the effects they're seeing against members of the military. And this, some of this is just staggering. Uh, breast cancer, there were 500 to 900 cases for the first five years prior to the introduction of the vaccination. This is for service members once again. The first 10 months of 2021, there were 4,068 cases. It was a 450% increase. Female infertility, we had 22,000 cases. A bad year would be 2,300 cases. Uh, the first 10 months for 2021, there were 10,000 cases. Um, even diseases that had not been connected so far with the vaccine saw a dramatic spike. Esophageal cancer jumped to from 26 cases to 200. Okay, so they're underreporting a lot of what's going on. Uh, HIV, 400 cases on average per year. Now it's 2,400 cases in the first 10 months. Worst of all, though, is miscarriages. According to the whistleblower documents, miscarriages in the military went from 1,400 to 1,500 in the first three quarters of 2020. It's now 4,000 during the first 10 months. of. So when I saw that, I mean, it was one of those, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Here's a, sh a short montage of some of the testimony that was giving. We are ground zero to take care of the COVID vaccine injured when we have highly qualified practitioners across the globe that have been silenced and threatened if they even so much as see us for what's going on. Why are they doing this? There could be multiple reasons. The simplest and most easily understandable and provable is every vaccine, every of these, these you know, these novel patented high cost drugs is profits. They are putting profits ahead of patients. They will attack you. They will threaten you. They will put you in a state of fear and say, you can only do what we say, but don't save a life. And by the way, the vaccines are expired because Omicron is here. 
And are, now they still want to mandate them. So they threaten us and threaten us and threaten us. And we're hunted for caring and being compassionate and empathetic and wanting to help humanity. Is it you know, logical to think that if you've been harmed by the first dose, then you shouldn't get a second dose. And if you get the second dose and you're harmed, would the booster potentially do more harm? And if you were on the seventh booster, would that potentially cause more harm? Of down the course. Road? You don't have to be a physician to know the answer to that question. A four-year-old knows the answer to that question. Right now, the CDC and the FDA are the named sponsors of a vaccine program. If American can learn anything, we should never have the FDA and CDC be a sponsor of a public program in administering a product. It has been a giant and colossal mistake. We should have never locked down. We should have never closed schools. We should have never handed out all that free money, which a lot of it got wasted. We should have never put out a vaccine that at the very least doesn't work. At the very worst, maybe harming and killing people. We're out of time for this part of the show. We'll be back after a few messages of news, traffic, and weather on the main event. Welcome back to the main event. I am Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Don's Bicycle Store in Rialto and Redlands, and I'm filling in Fred Hoffman this week. Ed is out recovering back surgery. He should be back next week. Once again, I am not a professional radio talk show host, just an incredible simulation. Do need to mention, if you're interested in getting involved with any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, you can reach out to Ed Hoffman, the branch manager of Planet Home Lending at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night, 855-640-2020. Several months ago, Ed and I did an interview uh, with Tim GNA. I think it was one of the most powerful shows, most important shows we've ever done, Um And basically, Tim was one of the January 6th protesters whose lives have been turned upside down by the aftermath. Uh, He's coming back on to speak with us today on the show. I'm really excited to have him back on. Tim, welcome back to the main event. Hey, how's it going, Scott? Good, man. Good. So for those people who didn't hear our last interview, give us like just a quick summary of just yourself and January 6th, your involvement there and what happened afterwards. Sure. Yeah. Like you said, my name is Tim GNA. I go by the internet name Baked Alaska because I am from Alaska and it's a great dessert. And um, yeah, I I live stream. Every time I I see it on a menu, I think of you, by the way. (laughs) Right. I know that that's what people say. Um, It's a pretty good dessert for real. Um, But yeah, I I love to live stream and uh, make comedy sort of, uh, you know, a pro Trump guy, obviously, as people know me. And um, I used to manage Milo Yiannopoulos back in the day when he did the college tour. That's sort of how people know me in this realm. And yeah, I, I love to go to events. And I went to January 6th to, you know, protest a very rigged election, which that's my personal belief. And I just couldn't believe it. You know, I was there and I, I was live streaming inside the Capitol. You know, the doors were wide open and um a bunch of surveillance footage has just come out and it just confirms my stories, which I say I was in there. I was fist bumping cops. I, they said, we understand why you're in here. 
everything was good. And then I went home and next thing I know, I'm driving home maybe a week later and, you know, 20 U.S. Marshals raid my hotel room, throw me on the ground, arrest me. And it's been, uh, you know, the hardest year of my life for me and my family. I've been labeled a domestic terrorist simply for filming, for live streaming one of the most historical uh, events of our history. And, and it's just, you know, it's been a crazy ride, Scott. You know, I, I appreciate you guys um, getting the truth out for me because, you know, not everyone wants to talk about it. They don't want to talk about what actually happened on January 6th. Um, I, additionally, things have developed since we last talked. I was the one who exposed Ray Epps, which is probably the biggest story in the country right now. Uh, so that was actually my footage. And you can see me there. I'm the one yelling fed, 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 because this guy, you know, he stuck out and he was trying to get people to do violence. And he had this very specific plan. And I go to all these protests and, and this just was not one of the normal uh, Trump people there. So sure. I want you to hold off on Ray Epps because yeah. that's definitely something I'm going to jump into because that's, that's okay. super, super important. Uh, you mm -hmm. were arrested and this was a gunpoint. You didn't mention that, correct? You were arrested at gunpoint. Yes. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. By the U.S. Marshals. Yep. Give us a quick rundown on your experience in prison. Yeah. I mean, that was awful <laughs> um, to say the least. And, you know, it's, it's scary too, because I spent about a week in federal prison. The conditions are terrible. They threw me into solitary confinement. This is for a uh, trespassing misdemeanor charge, by the way. You know, you would think I, I, I murdered like 10 people or something the way they treated me and the other patriots. But no, you know, it's a misdemeanor trespassing and disorderly conduct charge is what I'm facing. And um, yeah, they threw me into solitary confinement. No toilet paper. There's cockroaches everywhere. It's really, really messed up what they're doing. It's a, it's a human rights violation. You know, let's call it what it is. And it really shocked me when I went into that um, prison cell. I had no idea. I mean, you see it on the movies and all that, but to really experience it, you know, there's nothing else to say, but it's shocking. It, it's it's really messed up. I don't I don't wish it upon anyone. I really don't. Well, what you're describing yeah. is like a prison out of a third world country. You know, when I when right. you think of prisons in the United States, you think of those lockdown shows and yeah, they look clean. They're getting three meals a day and they get exercise and they get TVs mm. and they get Internet and they can read books. It doesn't sound at all like what you're describing. Oh, no, no. I had no access to any books. I didn't even have pen and paper. Nothing. You have absolutely nothing in there. Um, it's yeah, it, it's not what you think it would be. And it's really an atrocity. So um, luckily I was able to get out on bail. I was able to, uh, they put me on house arrest for a couple months with an ankle monitor. You know, that, that really sucked uh, right now. I'm just awaiting the trial. Um, and, you know, I, I fear for my life. I fear for, you know, I have a parole officer, but they might put me back in jail. I don't know how that's going to go. And, you know, my heart goes out to all the other January 6th defendants who are still sitting in a prison cell for a misdemeanor charge or obstructing Congress charge, whatever it may be. But, you know, it's just, it's so insane to me. And it's just sad. You know, you, you see BLM and the left do these violent protests for months and months and months on end. And everyone calls them heroes and celebrities are bailing them out of jail and paying their legal funds and all that stuff. And then you have patriots that are getting thrown under the bus by their own party, by people like traitor Ted Cruz calling them 
you know, calling it a violent insurrection or whatever it may be. And it's just sad. You know, we're getting attacked from all sides. It's not don't think it's just the Democrats that are attacking us. We're getting thrown under the bus by everyone. So, yeah, it's been a hell of a year. It's been hard. Well, you mentioned people that are still there. We're talking like over a year now. And I think about those people every single day. You went through it a week, which was hell. Some of these mm-hmm. people are still there and same same situation as you, but but they're like stuck in this place. And you're right. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of support from people on the right, other than like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's really good on this issue. I don't see a whole mm-hmm. lot of other people, you know, defending them. Right. Well, I mean, it even took Trump, I think, six months to mention Ashley Babbitt's name. And, you know, it's just been it's because the the mainstream media put such an attack on us. They, they put so much vitriol into this thing that everyone was afraid to touch it. I mean, it, it, it's like a toxic sort of thing here. They call us domestic terrorists. They paint up this whole narrative, which is complete BS. It, it's it's all fake. You know, it's all fake news. Um, it was a peaceful protest. I was there. Yes, there were some agitators and there were some bad actors, but, you know, 99% of people were peaceful. They were there because they care about our country. They're there. It, it wasn't just a certain type of people. It was all types of people, old and young, white, black, Hispanic, whatever. I saw everybody in there and we all had the common purpose of caring about our country and just, you know, wanting a fair election. So it, it being there and then seeing it on the TV, it's just night and day with how they, you know, paint this false narrative and, and, and want to call us enemies of America when it's the exact opposite. You know, it's been several months since you're on the show. Give, give us any updates as to your legal status, your case, anything that is that's happening right now. Yeah, so basically they've been sort of talking about um, extending some plea deals to me. I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like. And I know they've done it to a number of other defendants. So we're either going to be given a plea deal of some sort, depending on what the conditions are, or have to go to trial. The problem with going to trial, and this is what uh, most people don't understand, is they kind of have you in a Mexican standoff here because if I don't take the plea that they give, and of course I would never, you know, snitch on anyone or cooperate with the feds. Absolutely not. But if I were to not take a plea deal, they said they're going to add additional charges on my case. They're going to add felonies, obstruction of Congress. So basically, I, I mean, I think this should be illegal. It's like, if you believe that I obstructed Congress, which I absolutely didn't do that. By the time I was filming inside the Capitol, it was already evacuated. So that's, you know, total garbage. But, you know, if they believe that I actually did that, why don't they just charge me with that? Why do they have to threaten me with, okay, you're not going to cooperate. So we're going to, you know, add more charges and give you a felony. And, you know, that's going to be more jail time and all that. So, you know, I just need a lot of prayer. I really do. And, and a lot of us need a lot of prayer because, you know, the, the only thing that can help me help me right now is is God's providence. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a, it's just a hard situation. We're not really going to know probably till another couple months here if we're able to come up with some deal that makes sense where I don't have to uh, do do anything with the feds. And if we can do that, that would be, I, I guess, you know, ideal 
compared to having to face a felony. So that that's kind of the rat race they put you in. Jody, any thoughts or questions? It's just so crazy to me that, you know, I'm sure when you woke up on January 6th, not for a second, did you think things would end up this way? You know, you thought that you were going to like another protest, another rally. Like you said, it was peaceful. You were fist bumping the cops. Like mm-hmm. I know Scott and I have talked Scott, you were supposed to go that day, but you yeah. got COVID. Yeah. Something. I got COVID. That's the only thing that stopped me from going there. I'd probably, I could be in one of those cells right now. Seriously. Yeah, and wow. You know, you're, you're a business owner. Like you, you too, Scott, your life could have been completely turned upside down and neither one of you guys, like you're both upstanding citizens. Like neither one of you guys is violent. You guys don't like, you've never been to to jail for any, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, I think that just really speaks to what you're saying, Tim. It's just, you know, it wasn't violent. It, It was, everybody was in a good mood. Not for a second. Did anyone think that this was going to take the turn that it did? But thank God that you're still talking about it. And I'm glad Scott is having you on the radio again, because people need to continue to hear this story forever. You know, I mean, this is something that happens in Russia. This is something that happens in North Korea when good people are demonized to this extent. And like you guys said, there are still people sitting in prison for this and it's not being talked about. So I really it needs to be talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my it's funny, you guys said, uh, you know, Scott was going to be there. My parents were going to be there. They had work, you know, but this was not some, you know, violent insurrection. This was just a big patriot rally. Donald Trump invited us there. It it was a normal thing. And, And you can even see when I started my stream, I even said it was really cold. It was so cold. I'll never forget that day. And I was like, you know what? Today's probably going to be like a boring day. Like I had no clue, no clue it would pop off like that. But the bottom line is if people weren't violent, don't treat them like they're terrorists, you know, because the people like BLM people that actually were violent, they all just got to walk, you know, so we have to have a fair sense of justice in this country. I mean, forget the sides left and right. We just got to be fair to people. We got to be fair to Americans. And I I think a lot of people are waking up when they see how bad it is for a lot of us patriots. And I know Trump even said that he would pardon us in 2024, which I think is great. Unfortunately, most of us are going to get sentenced this year or next year. And, you know, that really is not going to be enough for most of us. But you know, I do appreciate that gesture and I do appreciate that more people are waking up and speaking out for us. I want to circle back to uh, something you were talking about earlier, which is that famous video that's been shown over and over again on Fox. We actually have that clip. Dan, can you play that clip? There's a concern that there were agents of the government or assets of the government present on January 5th and January 6th uh, during the protests. And uh, I've got some pictures that I want to show you if the uh, my staff could bring those to you. Um, All right, you have you have those images there and they're captioned. Uh, They were from January 5th and January 6th. 
as far as we can determine, the individual who was saying he'll probably go to jail, he'll probably be arrested, but he wants every, but they need to go into the Capitol the next day, is then the next day directing people to the Capitol. And as far as we can find, this individual has not been charged with anything. Okay, so the point, and this, this video is, has been shown over and over again, the video of you yelling, fed, fed, fed. You never get credit mm. for it, by the way. Uh, but Tucker, no. <laughs> seems like Tucker shows this thing for like every almost every <laughs> night of the week. I actually sent you a text to go, dude, you're on Fox again. Uh, so first of all, what what made you think that Ray Epps might be a federal agent? Right. Um, well, <laughs> what tipped it off really was that he had this specific plan. It was so specific. He kept saying, go into the Capitol, go into the Capitol. Like, it was so weird. It was like robotic almost. He was just saying the same thing. He would. He was following me around as I was live streaming. Um, I later find out he was from my hometown where I lived, Queen Creek, Arizona. Like everything was off about this guy. And like we we were doing something against Antifa, against BLM, and he would always stop us and be like, "No, no, 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 no. The plan is go into the Capitol." And so at, <laughs> at that point, I'm like. Fed, fed like i'm like this guy's a fed like yeah you couldn't glow any brighter like the dude's a fed like it just was it was obvious i thought maybe he had an fbi vest on or something maybe that gave <laughs> pretty, it away i mean pretty much it, it was like well it was just so weird to me that i i just i i had to chant that and then the crowd agreed i was like okay um i guess i'm not the only one who saw this guy being very suspicious and then yeah video comes out later he was leading the charge that broke into the barricades. I'm like, how did he have this previous knowledge? Um, additionally, you know, this hasn't been talked about too much, but the FBI tried to contact me. They came to my house, but I was already on the way to the airport. They came to my house on January 5th and they came to Milo Yiannopoulos' house warning him not to go. So it's like, if no one knew about this, then why did the feds, why were the feds warning people not to go to DC on January 5th? There's so many unanswered questions even a year after january 6th it's ridiculous but every time we want to talk about these you know the mainstream media calls us conspiracy theorists and and all this even though the feds on record have you know been part of plots to uh entrap american citizens like the governor whitmer plot right um you know over and over the, this this stuff comes out so it's it just stinks to high heaven. And, you know, it, it's sad because the, you know, the FBI, the CIA, they're supposed to protect American interests, American citizens. And it seems like, you know, they've made us out to be the enemy of the people, which is just not true at all. Well, and they're saying that the this Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case may have implications for you because it's one more example of the FBI planting people. Was it like five out of seven of these people are like FBI <laughs> yeah. agents that were trying yeah. to kidnap the governor, right? Oh man. So the, mm -hmm. the the big question that you're you're alluding to is how much of January sixth was a setup? In other words, FBI agents that were undercover trying to encourage or even promote or or even participate in violence. Um, and, right. and make it, the whole thing was fake. So, you know, hopefully this information comes out and that it helps your defense because this is, this right. is a big key part of your defense. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, you know, we're wondering is why was Ray Epps taken off the FBI's most wanted list? Because 
I know people that were raided and arrested. I know you guys probably know people for not even being in the Capitol. Right, right. You no, know? and th- this guy was like the main dude, you know, instigating everyone. He was at the front of the barricades, and then magically, you know, he wasn't arrested. He was taken off the FBI's most wanted list, and then that. The January 6th committee is even defending Ray Epps. They're like, oh, leave him alone. He's not a fed. It's like, <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? I don't know. It's it's crazy. Jody, thoughts? It's crazy. I'll reiterate. It's crazy. <laughs> well, I know you'd also talked about something nobody's been talking about. Nobody's been covering it. And that was a recent bombing attempt at a rally in Florida. Can you tell people what happened? Yes, um, I know more weird situations keep happening with me. Um, It's very strange. You know, I'm glad God is protecting me and thank you for all the prayers out there. But yeah, so I go on the on the anniversary of January 6th. I went to a local uh, freedom rally in Clearwater, Florida at my, you know, where I live now at my local rally. And then I'm live streaming once again to a pretty big audience on cozy.tv where I stream now and I'm there. And all of a sudden there's a huge uh, police presence and they're like, you guys got to leave. You know, there's a bomb threat or something. I'm, we're like, what? And and we couldn't believe it. So everyone clears out. We thought they just didn't want us to have the rally. And then a couple hours later, it comes out in the news. There was an Antifa guy that literally we believe was probably watching my stream came over with a backpack. He had just got back from Portland and he literally had explosives in his backpack. He had bombs. He was trying to blow up either an individual or, you know, multiple Patriots at the very rally I was at. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Also his birthday was January 6th. And so it's like, you know, when the feds do these sort of things, you just don't know what to believe anymore. So I'm not trying to start a conspiracy, but you can look it up. Tampa Bay Times, an Antifa member tried to blow up the local rally that I was at on the January 6th anniversary. So, you know, take take of that what you will. But some weird coincidences have been definitely happening <laughs> as I've been awaiting trial here. Well, I just, I just wonder how much news coverage would would happen if uh, Baked Alaska showed up with a backpack at an Antifa rally. <laughs> right. Know, right. Explosive. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Did you see a lot of Antifa on January 6th as well? Because, you know, we had heard that a lot of the people who were causing the uproar and the violence um, that was reported were Antifa. And, you know, so I'm wondering what you saw on the ground there. Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely saw people like completely covered in black with, you know, all the way with a face mask and everything. Um, I believe there were Antifa agitators inside the Capitol. Definitely. Um, additionally, we do know John Sullivan. He was right up there where Ashley Babbitt was killed. That guy's confirmed to have ties with Antifa and Black Lives Matter. So um, as far as all the other ones, you know, I, I can't say exactly, but, you know, it's my belief that that there were. OK. You know, I, I think as we look at this whole situation, January 6th and this this sham trial that's going on, people being persecuted like you, people that are currently still in prison, what's it all about? Well, it's to scare the rest of us from ever assembling. It's to send a message mm-hmm. to people like me and the rest of the world, the rest of this country, like, look, if you want to get together, this could happen to you. That's pretty much what this is all about. And that's that's probably the darkest part of all this. It's like, as Jody was saying, this is the kind of stuff that happens in 
totalitarian communist countries where they're basically just, you know, rounding up people as political prisoners. The people that are in jail currently are political prisoners. Um, and, and, you know, again, somebody's got to stand up for these people. Somebody's got to stand up for you. Uh, we got just about a minute left. How can people help you? And don't say oh, go yeah. fund me. <laughs> no, no, we all no, no. Go fund me, right? Definitely not go fund me. Nobody no. should be using go fund me. They're no. terrible. Um, they just steal your money. But for me, it's going to be givesendgo.com slash baked Alaska. Okay. And um, give send go is an amazing site. They're, they're, it's a Christian website. They don't steal your money. It's not like GoFundMe. Um, everybody should be using it. But yeah, givesendgo.com slash baked Alaska. And that goes all to my legal fund. It's an immense legal battle. It's very expensive. They, they, they bleed you dry for your time and energy and money. So yeah, everything is very much appreciated and uh, God bless. Yeah. Well, it talks a lot, takes a lot of money to defend yourself. I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking legal bills of what, like six figures. Probably. probably, Yeah. Uh, For me, probably around a hundred K just for this trial. So that's what we're looking at. Okay. Well, anything you can do to to help Tim out uh, and people like Tim is very, very important. So please go to Give, Send, Go, uh, Baked Alaska on Give, Send, Go. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for coming back, man. I really appreciate your time and God bless. Good luck. Thank you, guys. Thank All you for right. having me on. Sure. Bye-bye. All right, so we got we got about a minute left, and I just want to share one thing with everybody who's listening. A couple quick announcements. Uh, one is if you're interested in getting involved uh, in what's going on in our country, there are groups and organizations that are coming together. These are grassroots movements. I'm a part of it, uh, and they're happening throughout uh, San Bernardino County. If you live in San Bernardino County, uh, if you live in Fontana or Ontario or Rancho or Upland, there are groups coming together. You can find these groups by going to sbcountypatriots.com. That's sbcountypatriots.com. Again, these groups are they're coming together. We're going to make a change. Uh, it's kind of like the truckers in Canada. We're coming together in your communities. Also, if you're into comedy, uh, we have a comedy show coming up February 20th. That is Sunday at the Gas Lamp in Long Beach. Katie Hopkins is our headliner. Uh, you can go to malacomedy.com, M-A-L-A comedy.com to get tickets. I'll be there. I'll be the MC. I hope you can make it. Jody, thank you so much for coming on with the show today. Thank you for having me. It was a blast as usual. Of course. All right. Ed will be back next week. Take care, everybody.